Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Wyoming Valley Church. We're glad that you're here. Uh, thanks, Pastor Todd, for the opportunity to speak today. We figured that uh, it was good good timing for me to be me to be up here today, and he's a little busy and a little distracted with everything that's going on today. But uh, welcome to our church. We're glad that you're here. Uh, yeah, I don't know who said that, Andrew, or whatever. It uh, it might be hard for I'm I am looking at uh, twelve pots of chili. And uh, can't wait to get uh, to dig in, but uh, yeah, we're going to have to be patient and figure that out uh, today. But uh, the smells will uh, help us with the uh, the wafting of the uh, the atmosphere and all of that. But uh, but thanks for coming today. We're glad that you're here, and welcome to Wyoming Valley Church. God's doing some great things here, and uh, we're glad that you're here. Tim and Heather, thank you for your presentation. I appreciate your friendship with me. Thanks for uh, having me on the air. And uh, is that still a term? It is. Yeah, yeah on the on the air. Yeah. yeah. And uh, although you can get it on the internet. Yeah. Too. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I appreciate their friendship and uh, that call for unity here in the valley, but also broader than that. And uh, they have been a great encouragement to me in my ministry as well. And I'm thankful I could be here and see those folks again today, but also be a part of that uh, ministry with our church as well. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to um, go through a, a lot of PowerPoint slides today, and honestly, I'm doing that intentionally not to bore you with slides, uh, because I'll talk a little bit too. You probably gathered that knowing me, but uh, I'll, I'll, but here, here's the thing. Uh, one of the things that I asked Pastor Todd to do this week is already, and I don't want to crash our wireless thing or our wireless network here or whatever, but actually, I put the present, we put the presentation that I'm going to give to you this morning uh, from God's Word up on the website already. And, and I'm going through a text. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, as Pastor Todd said. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to talk about some verses at the end of chapter 1, and then go down through the beginning three verses of chapter 2. Uh, but what I'm going to do is go through the passage, but because of that, I want to show you a little bit about the wording, a little bit about the language that's there. And so I'm going to do that by PowerPoint today. And so honestly, if, this, if you have a device, if you have a, uh, uh, an iPad or tablet or phone or whatever, you can go to our, our, our website already, which is wyomingvalleychurch.org, and you go to where, by the magic of Microsoft, where the arrow is, that's where the messages are. You're going to have to go through a couple steps but that PowerPoint is there already. And if that doesn't uh, excite you or whatever, there's a page of notes on the inside of the blue bulletin. Uh, you can look there, or then afterwards, you don't have to worry about, uh, I mean, honestly, I'm going to show you there's, there's going to be some arrows, there's going to be some circles and all of that. You don't have to worry about any of that. You can look at that afterward if that, if that matters, okay? Let me... Um, let me pray, and then we're going to dig into this passage, and I'm going to have you turn to one other, um, one other quick passage as we get started, but we'll, we'll do that in just a second. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for our church and the resources that you have given us to help us live for you and help us to live godly. And Father, I just pray that you bless our time together. Help us to, help us to honor you with what we do. Father, use your word. And use your word to change our hearts, to change our lives. But God, I also pray that you'd work in our hearts and help us to respond uh, permanently, uh, permanently positively to what you have for us this morning. 
And God, I just I thank you for the resources that you've given us to live for you and to know about you and to know about eternity, to have confidence in eternity. Father, thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Pastor Todd just mentioned this, but our theme for 1 Peter, as you can see on the slides, is fighting as victors. Fighting as victors. In the uh, Old Testament, in Psalm 78, there is a narrative that says this. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, they had, they had their weapons turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had already showed them. God had already been doing some things. So think of that narrative, and that's all that we're going to look at as, as introduction this morning from that passage, that they were soldiers, they had weapons, they were ready for battle, and they turned back. Uh, they forgot what God was doing, they forgot that God was on their side, and they turned back. Let me just emphasize again this morning from 1 Peter, God wants us to fight as victors. And he's given us the weapons, he's given us the resources to be able to do that. Um, I want to start by giving you a really personal illustration that is more uh, for Peggy's family than mine, but um, that, that fits this theme, I think, in, at least in my heart, in my mind. Uh, last night, uh, Peggy called her sister who lives with, uh, in, in Chicago area with uh, our nephew and his wife and his family. They just, uh, uh, Peggy's sister and brother-in-law have been pastor's family for all of that. But uh, our nephew, Ryan, is a, uh, a police officer in Aurora, Illinois. He is actually canine SWAT. And on Friday, he was in training, actually homicide training, and gets a phone call. His name's Ryan, and they said his commander said to him, uh, Ryan, you need to go now. Actually, his car ended up being um, the command post for the operation for the county sheriff's department that was in that shooting in Aurora, Illinois, just outside of Chicago on Friday, where five victims were killed and five police officers were injured. Ryan got there and had to go into the building and uh, as a part of a SWAT unit and actually was, I, I'm not yeah, going to tell you all of the details, but listening to Ryan tell the story last night and we were praying like crazy for our family member and all of that and without a doubt Ryan's wired for this and he uh, had that but uh, I thought about that last night that the soldiers in this Bible story were armed but uh, they didn't go. God has prepared us for a battle and one of the things that we have is the preparation from God to be able to do that. We have the weapons and I thought about that for Ryan and what he went through. In fact one of the things that he said to us over and over and over again is that you know here it is Peggy's uh, nephew and all of that is that we're you know and his wife his wife was kind of like you think you had a rough day I had to stay home with four kids you know and 
you know, in, in all of that was that the thing that he emphasized over and over and over and over and over again that prepared him to do that, I, I, I don't know what that would take to go into a building where he was shot at and ultimately they got the guy, right? But he said it was over and over and over and over and over again because he was prepared, because he trained for that, which makes a lot of sense for today. One of the things that I want you to know about our church, that I want you to know about Christians, or I want you to know about the body of Christ or whatever, is that we use the Bible around here. And I think if you're around Christians very much, you'll realize that we have a resource which is the unbelievable power of God, the Word of God. Amen. And so what I want to talk with you about this morning is about that theme, about why has God given us, just from this one passage, why has God given us His Word? And I want to say that using those illustrations that I already shared with you this morning um, for this, and that is, folks, it's a shame if we have the life-changing resource of the Word of God and it's not a priority in our lives. That's a terrible thing, right? And so that's what I want to talk with you about. If you have your Bibles, I'm just going to read this passage, 1 Peter, uh, and I'm going to put it up on the PowerPoint too, as I mentioned I have a, a lot of slides today, and part, partly I'm doing that so that I'll stay on track, but also to help you with a visual. But let me, let me read this passage to you. Uh, and I am reading from the New, New King James, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading at verse 22. 1 Peter 1, 22, and I'm going to read down through verse 3 of chapter 2. Let me read it. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a, per, with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and its, foul, its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, was preached to you. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious." That's our text. What I'm going to do is talk with you this morning about three reasons for making the Bible a priority in our lives. And I'm going to just give these to you, then we'll, then we'll backtrack and go through them quickly together. Number one is that this passage tells us that God's Word requires obedience. It clearly says that. Number two, it says um, God's Word changes lives. That's number, point number two. And changes lives forever. And then number three is that God has given us His Word so that it impacts our lifestyle today, here and now. So here's the thing. Again, I mentioned that if you're around our church, or if you're around believers at all, or if you are a believer, you're going to understand that the Word of God, I hope, is that kind of priority in our lives. And it's a priority because it tells us about eternity, but also it's a priority because it tells us about us, and it tells us about how we live our lives today. So it makes a lot of sense to understand and to study this, right? It makes a lot of sense. So let's, let's go through this together. Number one is that God's Word requires obedience. If you just look at the beginning of this passage that I said, and again, I'm going to have a lot of slides, it says this in verse 22. God's Word requires obedience, and it says this, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, 
in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. One of the things that I want to do is, is go, uh, go through a little bit of the language in this passage to you. At least in my version, some of you other ha- have other versions, and that's great, and it uses other English words. But notice the version, which is, again, New King James, which is there on the PowerPoint, and that is this verse starts <clears throat> with the word sense. Okay? I know you know this. This is not English class, you know, 101 today or whatever. But the idea of sense, or is it's, it's a because, if you will, it's, it's this. It's something happened, so you did something, right? Since this happened, uh, this is, is, is what, what I have to do. That's the idea. I mean, there could be a myriad of illustrations about this. Because this happened, then, these, uh, then this is the response. It's that idea. And that's the idea that the Apostle Peter builds into this passage. So here's the point that I want to make. And if you can see the small print there at the bottom, here's what this verse is saying. Since or because we have accepted Christ, we have the responsibility to obey what Christ tells us to do. And, and I want you to get this, and there's a little fill-in-the-blank thing in the blue sheet. And we have the ability to do that. This, this verse, this passage is clear. That there is a responsibility, but there is also a God-given ability to do what he's asking us to do. Now, if you look at the language, and please do that here in the, in the verse for me, it says this, if you have purified your souls. Pastor Todd's message last week, if you weren't here last week, uh, I encourage you to get online and listen to the message. You can read about it here in 1 Peter. was an excellent message on salvation. That we come to the place where God brings us, where we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone as our confidence of eternal life. It's faith in Jesus Christ. First Peter, the Apostle Peter, is talking about that. This verse, verse 22, comes right on the heels of that and says, Since you have been purified. Okay, what's he talking about there? Cleansed, made clean. The impurities are washed away. We have been purified changed. Folks, I'm going to smile the big Mel Walker cheesy grin and say honestly, if your life has been changed by Jesus Christ, praise the Lord, right? Isn't that an amazing thing? If you remember what your life was like before Christ, the dirt, the sin, the filth, it's an amazing thing. I'm going to talk with you about that more a little bit later. But, but even me, I often joke about this. I've been in youth ministry a long time. I came to Christ when I was five. I was five years old. I was living up in Susquehanna County in Montrose, and I went to a Child Evangelism Fellowship Good News Club. I was just a little kid. I tagged along with my older brother, and the message that afternoon, I think it was a Tuesday night, the, ladies, the missionary's name was Rosemary Clark, and the lesson was on John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I remember, I look back, I wanted that. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed to be clean. I did, and I wanted that that day. Now think about that. I was five. We'll talk about this more in a little bit. You know, like I, I grew up in the youth ministry heyday, Tim, right? And I'd hear all these speakers, God saved me from this life of crime, 
You know, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I took a cookie one time. <laughs> you know, or that uh, this guy, this superstar testimony, God saved me from this life of drugs. You know, I, I did have a baby aspirin problem. You know, that, that red liquid was, that's really good stuff, that liquid Tylenol, you know. And, uh, or I was in this, uh, you know, I was in this uh, motorcycle gang in the neighborhood. Well, actually, it was tricycles. But, um, you know, that wasn't me. I didn't have that kind of background. But here's the thing. I don't care if you are or were the most hardened criminal, the most hardened sinner. We're saved by grace through Jesus Christ alone. God changed our life. Peter is writing about that. And he writes about the word purified. And folks, we need to rejoice and realize that God can clean things. God can change things. God can work in our lives and can do a miracle in anybody's life. Even the Apostle Paul, another apostle in Scripture, made the statement that God saved him and that he was the chief of all sinners. God's in the business of purifying people, right? Amen? The second step, and I told you there'd be arrows and circles and all of that, is brings us to the obedience part of this verse. Verse 22 says, since you have been purified through the Holy Spirit, by the way, this is totally, totally, totally a work of God. And I know you know this, so you probably wouldn't be here. It's not anything that we could do. We can't drum that up. We're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We're not, we're, we don't, we're not God. And so we have the obedience because God gives us a responsibility and God gives us the ability to do that. So obedience. Honestly, folks, I know you know this, but um, obedience is a major theme in Scripture. Um, there are at least three times that I want to highlight just for you this idea of obedience. And again, remember what I'm talking with you about, please. And that is, since something happened, we have come to Christ. We have been saved. We have uh, a responsibility. We have a, we have a, a following action. And, and doing what God wants us to do. And God, by the way, folks, has made that very clear what he wants us to do. Which is another reason for the word of God. The last thing that Jesus said to his disciples when he was here on earth, it's called the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, where Jesus met with his followers and he said, go into all the world. But here's what I want you to do. Teach people to obey everything that I've told you to do. Why would obedience be important? Because God has given us instructions of how to live because he, seriously, he wants us to fight his victors. He wants us to make it through this life. He wants us to have a victorious Christian life. So it makes sense. Later on, I, I've given you the reference there in the notes. You can look it up in Matthew. Lawyers came to Jesus to trick him and said, you talk about commandments. What's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love others as yourself. That's what he said, which is interesting that the Apostle Peter, decades later, years later, talks about the same thing, the love that comes from following God's commandments. See, it's really a good thing that we follow God's commandment. It's, it's not this arduous, hard, boy, taskmaster thing. It's that he's given us the, the responsibility and the opportunity, the, the, the privilege to do those things. Amen. And then he talks about this idea about what love is. Again, let me read the verse. Since you have purified your hearts or your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, he says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. And I love those uh, descriptors of love. I don't know if you've ever thought about this in this verse. Actually, this week, getting ready for this message, I thought about that. 
we, we live in a culture, I mean, we just got through uh, Valentine's Day. You know, we, we live in a culture where, uh, right, we all grew up with the days you go, to, you go to school and you get the little Valentines, you know, or you go to, like, like I did, Amy, go to Krispy Kremes and buy Krispy Kremes with Valentine's message. Right? We, we live in a day where love has become incredibly cheap. A little heart with a pithy saying in a box of candy. And the Bible talks about love. First of all, talks about, we've, we've studied that in 1 John, that God is love. And his definition of love is sending Jesus to the cross. Talk about love. But then here he talks about two different kinds of descriptors for love. And he writes about sincere love. That one of the things that God's salvation gives us the privilege, the responsibility, the opportunity, the ability to do is to have a sincere love. Folks, honestly, I want you to like, like grab that in your hearts, right? Isn't that the kind of love that you want? We live in a culture where love can be cheapened. We live in a culture where love can be faked. And the Bible here is talking about that sincere, that genuine, that real, it, it works in life, that real love. Folks, let me tell you that that can only come from God. That God is that. God gives us that real love which works in life, that sincere love for the brethren. And as Tim mentioned, sometimes, you know how, you know how brethren are. Sometimes that's not all that easy. But it's God given the ability to do that. And then he adds this, it's also a fervent love an intensive you know exciting love fervent boiling that's the word from that the boiling love and again that's the kind of love that we want and and again let me just say that clearly that the only way that that kind of love is even possible is from god humans can't drum that up the human love that we would drum up with the little hearts and the valentines you know, or maybe, maybe, maybe possibly, ladies, don't hate me, a Hallmark movie. <laughs> that kind of, they're all kind of the same, no offense. I mean, it's, uh, and with Christy home and my wife home, and I'm the only male in my house, thanks a lot, Todd. Um, we watched a lot of them this year, and they're all the same, yeah. I would rather have that love from God that's sincere, that's fervent, that works in real life and there, there's one other thing in this verse before i move on and again I, I i emphasize that idea of responsibility and ability before but i want you to notice that the, the verse ends luke sorry but my my clicker's not working help me click this will you is that this verse this one verse ends that we have the ability to have this sincere love this fervent love to love one another with a pure heart now, I'm not going to take the time to do this, but some of you probably have another translation or whatever that just says, from the heart. And I love that idea in this verse. You know, we add, my version, New King James, adds the word pure. But it's, but it's saying, the pure there, is, is the idea that, folks, this is real. It gives you the why. That's what I put, put up on the, on the note. It gives you the motive. Again, I, I'm not making too big of a deal about this, I hope, or whatever. But uh, love is a whole lot more than a donut on Valentine's Day. 
Love is action. Love is intentional. It is in the Bible. It's, love is that agape love that sent Jesus to the cross. And again, I want to say that emphatically, that the only way that that's possible is to be from God. So that that love as believers, because First Peter is talking with believers, the love of Christ, the love of Christ that sent Jesus to the cross to die for us to change your life, to change my life, is the same love that gives us the why, the motivation. Why do we, folks, why do we come to church? Why do we study the Bible? Why do we help others? Why do we serve God? Why? why? It's out of our hearts because God has changed our hearts. And if you know that, then you know what it's like to live that life, that God has changed your life. I was five years old. But God changed my life, and he's changed my life forever to giving me that confidence of eternity. I love in 1 John chapter 5, verse, 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 15, verse 13, where, where the Apostle John writes that you can know that you have eternal life. I love that. You can know that. That's the confidence that we have from God. Number two. Number two is a bigger passage. Again, you'll notice why I'm doing so many of the slides today. But God's love, or God's word, excuse me, changes lives forever. Having been born again, verses 23, 24, and 25. Having been born again, I'm going to read it again. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, through the word of God. Again, I know you know this, but God's word is clear in Romans. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That is how we come to Christ. It's through his word. The word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is a grass, and he's quoting an Old Testament passage, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And then he says this, the Apostle Peter says this, this is the word by which the gospel, the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ, was preached unto you. This, this, is, this is the word. And so... That's what I want to talk with you about, is that God's Word God's word changes lives forever. Not only does it require obedience, but it changes lives forever. By the magic of Microsoft, I changed some of the coloring of the words. So just notice, again, that all the way through this passage, it's the Word of God, the Gospel, that's emphasized. The Word of God, the Word of God, the Word, the Gospel. And I, I just want to highlight that again for us this morning, to realize that that is the resource. That we can fight as victors. One of the things is that we can fight as victors because we have the Word of God. Notice in that, and I think I highlighted this as well. Help, help me click that, will you, the next one? Uh, yeah, the, the, which, look at the phrase which just turned a darker orange or whatever that is. Which lives and abides forever. Sometime, if you can just write this reference down, I'm not going to take the time to turn there because a lot of you know it, is, is look at, by, for, for instance, at, at um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where, where the author of Hebrews says clearly that the word of God is alive and powerful, Hebrews 4, 12, and literally, my paraphrase of a longer verse, and literally has the ability to change people's lives. Amen forever the word of god is living it lives and abides forever this book is unlike anything else that was ever written 
because it's from God. And it lives and abides forever. And it changes people's lives. And there's lots of us in our little church this morning that could give you stories about how God's word, how God himself have changed our lives. I told you my story. I realized that the Mel Walker life story is never going to be this major motion picture. I'm not sure that anybody cares about my baby Tylenol problem (laughs) when I was five. But God changed my life. Can I tell you about my friend just as a contrast? Some of you know my story. You've heard me preach lots of times and you know my background. I Grew up in Susquehanna County. I went to Clark Summit University, Baptist Bible College, and met Peggy. Swept her off her feet, I'm sure. And uh, we moved. Our first ministry was in Detroit, just outside of Detroit, Michigan. I'm from a long line of people. Christy, our daughter, is uh, you know missionary in Germany. She'll be here later on. She's speaking in church this morning. But she's done the genealogies for the Walker back the Walker family. I'm not kidding you. My family has been in northeastern Pennsylvania since the 1700s. I'm from a long line of people who never went anywhere. I think one year for vacation, my dad took us to the Finger Lakes. So I'm this, I'm this northeast Pennsylvania boy. That's all I ever, ever was. Uh, you know, that's all I ever was, northeast Pennsylvania boy. The day of graduation from Clark Summit University, I met the pastor from this town outside of Detroit, Michigan, who asked us to come and candidate. And Peggy and I drove to Michigan, candidated, and the Lord called us to be a youth pastor in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, We were getting engaged. That was right after college. We were getting engaged in August. The pastor said, after they called us to come as youth pastor, the pastor said, well, I'm assuming you probably want to wait until after you're married to get started. Actually, I said, I need a job. Can I start now? And so he said, okay. I put everything I had uh, in my car, everything I owned in my car, and got up real early one morning, and uh, I had to, I'm not kidding you, I had this old Ford LTD. That car was as big as my house is now. And I put everything I owned in that car, and I got on Interstate 81 and drove to Interstate 80 and drove to Toledo, Ohio, and turned north and went to Detroit, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what is this Pennsylvania boy doing? And I remember, I'm going to tell you about my friend, Ron. First Sunday, I'm scared out of my mind. First Sunday, I'm a youth pastor. Literally scared out of my mind. In this big church, in this place where people look different than me, acted different than me, and uh, I'm literally, in every way, a fish out of water. And I'm up front making announcements. Mel Walker, our new youth pastor, is here. My voice was cracking. I was so nervous. And in fact, I told him that Sunday, you'll probably never hear me preach here. Boy, did I fool them. But um, uh, God worked in my life. Great first ministry, great senior pastor. But I'm up, up front making announcements in this big church. And to the left of the pulpit, old school pulpit, I'm looking out in the crowd, out there, like, like, like right over there, was the scariest man I had ever seen in my entire life. Like, I I don't know if it's a big guy. I I mean, I'm not normally, like, afraid. But I'm thinking, there is a mass murderer here today. He just looked hard. He looked scary. He looked looked 
like a criminal. I don't know what how to describe that. But he, his name, and 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 I'm, I started to pray. What's going to happen? I'm in Detroit. Something bad's going to happen. And it kind of still does in Detroit. But uh, uh, that that was my first impression. And so I sat. I'm, I'm up front for like like seriously, like 30 seconds. And I sat down. And I believe me. And and Peggy's out in Iowa. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sitting there by myself over in the other section away away from him. And I'm thinking something. And, and then at the end of the service, the pastor preaches the gospel, preaches the word of God. Right then, the same guy gets up and marches to the front. And I'm thinking he's going to shoot the pastor. And that day, my friend, Ron Gillentine, came to Christ. You know why he came to church? Because his daughter had come to our little kids' ministry a few weeks before there, and somebody had told his daughter, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to go to hell. He came to church because no one tells my little girl she's going to go to hell. He came to church mad, and God changed his life. Ron was in his early 30s then, older than me. Ron's in heaven now. And by that time of his life, he was in his early 30s. He had already been in jail over half of his life. Ron was the, one of the scariest. The hard, Detroit police officers were scared of him because he says he might have been even demon-possessed because of the violence, because of the sin in his background. And God, I had the opportunity to witness God radically changed Ron's life, and his wife and his kids came to Christ. His wife, he, Ron's in heaven now, this, back, this rough background and all of that. But God changed his life. So, folks, here's the point of all of this. God can change your life, too. God can change the Apostle Paul, who said, I'm the chiefest of all sinners. God can change Ron Gillentine's life. God can change little Mel Walker's life. And God can change your life forever. Look at the text. It says there, there's this quote in the middle there. All flesh is at grass. And the glory of men is as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. That one passage that just highlighted in orange there has motivated me for a long time think about that the glory of men is as the flower of grass do you ever pick your mom a dandelion bouquet <laughs> click it once for me uh, the glory of men is as the flower of grass for a while they're pretty not in my lawn they're not pretty <laughs> I hate those boogers but uh, they're pretty, you know, and pretty soon they're white, they're dead, and uh, I, just, I just protected all of you by not showing you a field of dead dandelions because it's ugly. The glory of men is as the flower of grass. doesn't last very long, doesn't it? Folks, I think here's the point. Doesn't it matter? Doesn't it, doesn't it make sense then to invest in things that matter and matter for eternity? Doesn't that make sense? The Word of God lasts forever. It makes sense that we build that into our lives. It makes sense that we make that the priority. It makes sense that we do that as a priority for our church. It makes sense because those are the things that last forever. The glory of men, the thing that we do, the things that we give our lives to, I mean, it's like the flower of grass. It's dandelion, bouquet. It's not going to be a big deal. It's going to go away. 
The glory of men is as the flower of grass. This is the gospel. This is the word that the gospel is preached unto you. And then number three, God's word impacts our lifestyle. God's word requires obedience. God's word changes lives forever. Praise God for that. It does. It's the word of God. It doesn't make me anything special. God does that, but it makes me a follower of his. It makes me as a child of his. And so it says there, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted, let me back up, that the Lord is gracious. So remember how I started like my first chart? Okay, we'll come back and look at the verse a little bit, this, the sense word. Well, let me just give you a little bit as we, as we wind this down, because I want to get to the chili, is, is this. Here's, here's basically the outline of this passage. Chap, chapter 1, verse 22. Since this happened. Since what? Basically this. You are saved. Verse, my, my fault that time. Back up one. Okay. Verses 23 to 25. Since you are saved, God's word changes your lives forever. Since you're saved. Okay, because of that, now what? Now, here's the therefore. The therefore, then, is down in verse 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 2. Let me read it now again. Therefore, since this happened, you're saved. Since this happened, you're saved. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In other words, that brings us to the therefore, now do this and don't do this. There is, folks, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this quickly, there is a very incredibly practical strategy for living for God. There really is. In the first three verses of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, I did not coin this phrase, but if you will, it's, it's what, what could be called the principle of replacement. Sometime you can jot this down if you were to look at passages like Ephesians 4, 22-24. There are passages where often the apostles write this way. Put off this and put on this principle of replacement. Here, in, it's, it's that same kind of strategy. Take this off, put this aside, and put this on. So let, let's talk about that from this passage. Help me, help me click this, would you please? Okay. Again, circles and charts and all of that. Um, I, I, I'm wired for sound and all of that. But look, look at it says. Therefore... Laying aside. The language which, uh, again, New Testament, I mean, even the English version, I mean, it's not all that profound. You get it, right? Laying aside. It literally means, and I wore a jacket today just for this illustration. And so I've been, I've been, I've been waiting all the way through the service just to be able to take, take that off to get back to normal. Because, okay, here's the thing. Take it off. Lay it aside. Get rid of it. Lay, get rid of this stuff. An incredibly practical illustration for living the way God wants us to live. Lay it aside. Take it off. Take what? Off. And then he lists some things that if you were to look at the text and you realize that there is some very vivid language and 
Folks, please hear me. Please, please hear me. God doesn't need my help or your help pointing out sin or weaknesses in our lives. It's not my job to do that. God's Word can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the convicting power of the Word of God. But I want you to notice all malice, any ill will, any hatred, any any anger. Um, God can take that out of our lives. All deceit, all lying, all fakes, all of that God can take out of our lives, all dishonesty. I mean, folks, think about that. Don't we? We look at others and hate those things in others. There's at least three times that the Bible looks at itself and calls itself a mirror. And I think there are times that we need to look at our lives and think, is that, are, are some of those things still in our life? All malice, ill will, hatred, anger, all deceit, hypocrisy? We hate hypocrites, don't we? And yet we look in the mirror and often we're more hypocritical than we think. All envy. We want what other people has. We want what the world has. We, we, we look at that and then all. And then, and then if you get off the hook on all of them, you know, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, all envy, you're probably, I'm, I'm probably not off the hook on all evil speaking. There are times that I'm critical of others. There's all, there are times that I say dumb things. There are times. And so I'm not off the hook. And Folks, I think it's important to understand that uh, God doesn't want us to live that way. Right? Again, God doesn't need, need me to point out the sin. The Word of God, that's what's there. Okay? But God doesn't want us to live that way. Can I, can I be honestly, brutally, brutally honest? I don't want to live that way. Neither do you. I don't want to be that kind of person. People think of me as those things. Those are people we don't like so much. I don't want to be that way. Put them off. Get rid of them. Take them off. Put it aside. Okay, okay, Mel, how? Let's read what the Bible says. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking as newborn babes. We're kind of here to celebrate the new Walker baby today, right? I love little Walker babies, I got to tell you. Click, <laughs> click it for me, okay? Desire or crave as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Folks, I have to tell you, I am so thankful that the concept of growth is there because I haven't arrived yet. Right? That we can grow in this, that God doesn't expect us to be perfect overnight. That we can grow. How do we grow? How do we get rid of those things? How do we take those things off of our lives? Take them off and, and, and crave. Develop that. You know, uh, the idea of craving is, uh, is, is, a, is a concept of appetite, right? All of us know the baby thing. You know, that the, the milk, the, the pure milk of the word that you can grow. The appetite for that. I mean, we, we get that illustration. But um, we... We can change our appetites. We can. How many, be honest, how many of us are coffee drinkers? 
right? Did you like it the first time you ever tried it? No. Probably not. You I don't know. It's kind of a dumb thing. Think about it. You, 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 you learn to like coffee by drinking coffee, and you hated it in the beginning. It's like, why? Right? <laughs> my dad drank coffee. I, I thought that was the coolest thing. My dad drank coffee. He would Every single morning of his life, my dad would dunk a plain brown donut in his coffee. I started to dunk my donut in his coffee, and he didn't want my crumbs in his coffee. <laughs> his crumbs were okay, but not my crumbs, so he gave me a, a cup of coffee. I hated the coffee. But surrounded by a donut, the coffee was okay. <laughs> After a while, I finished the coffee. Now the first thing I do in the morning before I get the donut is to drink the coffee. The first thing I do when I go to drink the coffee, change the appetite. It changed the taste. And so here in the Bible it says, here's how you get rid of the crud. Here's how you get rid of the uncleanness. Here's how you take it off. By craving, by developing, by going back to the Word and developing an appetite. And it's kind of a, a cyclical, a cycle thing that God's Word gives you the appetite for more of God's Word. If you're a student of God's Word, isn't that true? Mm -hmm. Where you dig in, where you love it, where this is great, it's changing my life, it's changing my lifestyle, it's getting rid of the junk, it's bringing in the good things in my life. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great thing? Mm -hmm. And then the passage ends. Um, yeah, um, by craving, that's the word of God. Do, do one more, I'm sorry. It, it pass it. There we go. If indeed, and I love the language here, right? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Actually, the word is a little bit, and I'm done, but the word here is a little bit better than just good. I, the old coffee, we're, we're talking about coffee a second ago. Mm -mm, good. Well, it's not just good here. The word really means loving kindness or goodness, as in big good. Is that a word thing? Big good? Or gracious good. See, here's the thing. I figured this was a great illustration to end my talk today, right? You can go out at the chili cook-off and taste good chili. And if you're really a chili eater, you're not going to do the little bowl thing and taste it, the pinky up in the air, and think, oh, that's good. And, oh, that's, that's good. No, right? You're going to get the biggest spoon, the biggest bowl, dig in. That's, that's good. This is a big good. A big good. Taste and see. Folks, taste and see that the Lord is good. A big good. Gracious. God giving you the ability good. It's not just this little pinky in the air. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Put it aside. Church on Sunday, I'm done. This is a big good. God can change your appetite. Good. God can change your lifestyle. Good. God can change things for eternity. Good. Amen, right? Amen. That's the salvation that we have through God. That's the power of the Word of God. We don't have to go into life unarmed, scared, turning back. We have the incredible, life-changing resource of the Word of God 
Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this morning. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the word of God. The word of God that requires obedience because we've been saved. The word of God that can change our lives forever. God, because it's something you did. God, you did it. And the word of God that can change our lifestyle. We don't have to live that way anymore. We can live differently. We can live victorious Christian life. We can live that through Jesus Christ. God, thank you for all that. Because of your word, we can indeed fight as victors. We can charge in life because of the confidence of eternity. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is, God, you are a big good. That you changed our lives forever. It's not just Valentine's, but it's the love that's fervent. It's the love that's sincere. It's the love that changes hearts. God, I just pray that you'd continue to do your work in our hearts and our lives. God, I just pray if there's anybody here, anybody, that does not have that confidence that John wrote about, that you can know that you have eternal life. God, I just pray that you work in their lives and bring people to yourself. God, help them to be come to the place where they know they can put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for the confidence of eternal life and for the joy of living the Christian life, a life that's different, a life that's changed here on earth. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the incredible resource that Christians do have, that we do have, in your word for your glory. And God, help us to taste and see that you indeed are good, big good. In Jesus' name we pray.